So I was told I gained a few additional podcast listeners over this weekend. And I'm like, hey, the more the merrier. So, hey, that's great. You know, thanks for listening and, you know, welcome for yourself my journey. I talked to a few people. I was like, this is a good, this is a good podcast. This is a good story. This is life to be able to share uh, for obviously privacy reasons. Not going to mention names and that. But these are two completely different stories, but just talking about how things have changed in relationships and that over the years. And I'm like, you know, I just need a podcast. <laughs> like this pain is just, I went to go lay down and I'm like, hell no. The more I lay down, the worse I feel. I did contact my hospital specialist on e- e-chart. Um, what is that, e-chart, whatever the hell it is, you know, I'm talking about everybody's stuff. You can contact your specialist online. But um, I told them to contact my office Monday. I need to get in ASAP because this pressure pain is getting to be a little too much. And um, I had called earlier and I talked to the doctor on call, hospital specialist on call. I'm like, they're like, well, what's the pain like in my tone it's like pressure it's really bad pressure like a balloon pressure and then if I lay down it's worse and um I've been noticing over the last 24 hours like I woke up and it's hard to breathe so I know that the tumor's gotten larger it's pushing up so it presses and pushes up and of course it's going to push up on your diaphragm and that so um, they suggested I contact each art and get in right away and contact the office Monday. So I left a message, told me contact an office Monday morning because I need to get in. I feel like, I mean, this is, it's a progression. It's not reversed itself. And I feel like over the years it, I would get, um, I get and meet this hurdle in front of me with the pain and that and complications, but I always got over the hurdle. But I realized the pain and the complications and new things I'm experiencing. And it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. So I'm like, okay. Now I feel like my internal radar is going, warning, warning. You know, I need to get things squared away and done. I don't think attorneys and um, your disability case managers and people tell you and ask you. I don't know how many times over this past six months I've been asked, even from the attorney. Do you have things in line for yourself? What's your prognosis? Where are you at? And not even think twice of asking me, um, especially the attorney. I was kind of like, it was so like just picking up a glass of water and drinking it the way that they had not asked, but statement. Um, and I feel like they thought and felt I was comfortable talking about end of life decisions and that. Um, Maybe I was a little in denial for years, but I, I just chalked that up to people in that same circle. The same people were treating me like I wasn't sick. I include Eric. So it's hard to accept what you're going through if you keep surrounding yourself with people that aren't accepting because they don't believe you or they're not believing or I don't know what the hell kind of Disney movie they're in. But it really can screw you up in the head when you're dealing with oncology and cancer and chronic illness, if you keep surrounding yourself with people that aren't treating you and allowing you to rest and helping you, you're going to really mess yourself up. Now that I'm in my part of the journey, I want to say this to other people. Now that I'm in palliative care and things have progressed and now I'm at this point, like this isn't good. Um, 
having a hard time, they're having a hard time staying on top of it, the pain especially. It's controlling my life. I'm going to say this, don't surround your people, don't surround yourself with people, excuse me, that aren't taking your health seriously. And that when you need help and understanding because they have no compassion or I don't know what the hell Disney movie they're on or what skit or what actor they're playing or actress, get, get the hell away from people like that. I did not get a hell away fast enough and I just let it keep going. I just, I stayed in it. And that was my biggest mistake and I'll always regret it, but I can't turn back the hands of time. But if I could, I'm just telling you people out there with chronic illness, especially cancer, you don't surround yourself. I don't care if it's a spouse. I don't care who it is. Eric would always say you don't act sick. And I'm like, I would really get angry. This is the time I get angry. And I'd like, well, hell, you don't treat me like I'm goddamn sick. You know, you're not helping. You're just standing back watching me doing all this shit. And it was like that since I moved in the house. I had just finished oncology treatments when I moved in the goddamn house. I had surgeries. You're not even watching me. You're not sitting next to me. You are a negligence and a liability. Your ass could have got thrown in prison by the state then. All I had to do was speak up, send the videos and photos, and you would have been locked, key, done. Soap buddy number three, bend down. He's lucky. He's goddamn lucky. You're a lucky person. That lets you get it up. No, all I'm going to say is you're goddamn lucky. You're lucky. It's your luck runs out. Everybody's luck runs out. Don't surround yourself with people like that. Don't surround yourself. I don't care who they are, what their title is. They are no better and should be no totem pole better than anybody else. I don't care what their title is. Don't surround yourself with people that don't respect that you're sick. And that you need help and that your body needs goddamn rest. Don't surround yourself with people watching you struggle and suffer. That's a goddamn cruel-ass mother. You know what? Anybody who does that and stands there and watches it, I don't care where they're watching from or how they're watching those are some dark-ass people, that's all i got to say. Dark-ass souls, not right. There's something, there is everything wrong and nothing right. Some dark souls. That's some juju you don't want to be dumb. Walk away. Get a hold of professionals. Get a hold of attorney. Get a hold of people that you need to to help figure it out. I didn't do it quick enough, and I screwed up because I allowed it. See, that's the difference is I wasn't respecting myself, especially when you're married to somebody. They make that comment more than once. Now, everything that was said is documented. Because I don't play no more. I'm not put up with it. But, uh, I was like, Monday, I gotta get in. Um, they called me in, you know, blah, 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 for the pain. Um, I took like a half, and I'm like, this is not even working. And it's like they said, you know, you know, you know this is progressing, right? It's, you know, we discussed this. I said, I know. Now, we need you to come in. I'm like, I'm going to be at the hospital, I feel like, every two weeks. Excuse me, but like something's got to give. But there's nothing going to give. I got to face reality while I'm facing, and this ain't good. This isn't good. You know, when you start getting that gut, like, okay, I got to get, I got to finish obituary. I got to finish what I want to. I got to listen to attorney. You need to get things squared away. Now, don't keep waiting. Don't keep waiting. And now I realize there's additional tweaking I need to do with dual power of attorney and things like that. I need to make sure that I have one sole strong-ass person who has a lot of power behind them, themselves, to make sure everything is carefully um, 
realized, I'll say executed because that just sounds crazy. I don't like that. Executed sounds like prison or something. They executed. I just don't know. I don't like that. It's kind of, but um, respects my wishes and puts them in action and protects. So no funny business and circus clowns are coming into play. Uh, I realize that's the next thing Monday I have to do. I need to get in right away or either if I can't and get this ball rolling with the attorney and make the changes and get the obituary finished and do what I need to do because this is not going well um, and I realize the stress and arguing with people um, and I realize anybody argues with me and you're arguing with me and you're not even respecting you're not even because you're wearing blinds or something you're playing another role in a Disney movie you don't do that stuff the people are sick mm-mm there's no way I want to be around anybody my last dying breath. I don't want to see their face or nothing that could be around me. Now I need to make sure that i got the power that be behind that. Who's going to make sure that it stays that way. So I figure Monday, you know, I ran it through a couple people today. And they're like, you need to make sure. I'm like, you know, I want to change this and this and give it to this person only because they got the power behind them. And uh, they're not going to take any, you know, what from anybody. And they're like, I think that's a great idea. I think Kimberly need to do it. So I'm like, yeah, I need to do it. And I don't know. I mean, I talked to a couple of people and um, over the last couple of days, it just helps. You know, I got to keep my mind off the pain. Like I'm standing right now walking around and like it just feels like a balloon. The tumor, when it fills, um, it gets bigger and it gets nasty and you get, it's not liquid, solid stuff, but it still grows and um, you know, it's like microscopic cells that are not good. They're abnormal. And that's what tumors of cancer really is. It starts off as lesion, whatever, and it collects tissue and it grows, it grows, it grows. But it also, when it expands, um, it pushes on everything. And it's a lot, a lot of pressure pain. That's what I'm feeling now. It's just a lot of pressure pain. And it's really goddamn uncomfortable. Um, and it's hard to sleep and lay down. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to get some things done. And then I'm done. Um, I got to get on cake, cake's a website name and get this obituary finished and that and anything else. Cause it's like everything in one, um, during that part of your journey. And if you really need anything at all, I mean, anything, funeral stuff, whatever you want and do it for you. Don't wait till somebody else has to make a decision, especially if those somebody else's or else haven't even been there for you. Don't even know you anymore. Have high drive by, you know? Or part of the Disney make-believe movie because they just, whatever reason, they just weren't there for you. They weren't, um, I don't know, attentive, I guess. I don't know, compassionate. I don't know what the hell. I, it's past the point now. I really don't care anymore. Um, I have to work on getting this stuff. I feel like I'm a little bit in a panic. Like, okay, this is getting worse. And it's getting worse quicker. So it's like now I'm in a panic. Like, listen, you know, I got to, my good days are not good days hardly anymore. I'm getting like five days out of the week, bad days, two days, good days. I'm forcing myself to get out of the house once a day. Uh, I tend to cleaning up the yard because obviously Snorio uses a bathroom in the front. And that's another thing too is I had a family member who said, oh, so-and-so said they found somewhere. It wasn't so-and-so found somewhere. So-and-so was wanting to buy property for investment reasons. But this person wasn't telling me that. But why didn't you just tell me this person was looking for investment property? By the way, they're looking for investment property and they're interested in this. It wasn't that I was interested in it. They're interested in this property. But they weren't being forthright and honest. And that got in an argument. Because the thing they don't understand, it's not being a jerk and ungrateful asshole, is people with chronic illness and you're in a part of your journey 
there's wants and needs, as my therapist attorney said. There's wants and needs. Wants is I like to have this. Needs is I need it. When you're dealing with pain all the time, you don't want to be in a townhouse condo apartment. That's the last place you want to be. Walls are thin. You're going to hear people constantly. You're going to hear dogs. You have the dog who's 108 pounds. You know, Eric walked him. Eric, you know, took both of them. You know, I was taking him outside of the gated area. I have the property in the front. But he lunged a couple times at some deer and about knocked me on the ground. You know, I'm in my 120s now. I've lost a lot of weight. I can't do that anymore with him. I take him once a day, and I've noticed I'm missing days now because I'm feeling like shit, excuse my French. You know, wee oui, wee, oui, croissants and butter in France. <laughs> care, whatever, I just don't know. I feel terrible, I just don't care, but um, now I let him inside the gated area. He's not really playing anymore since the passing of Blue. He's missing his companion. I was praying to God my health would turn and I'd get some miracle, miraculous miracle, and I'd be able to get him a companion. Because my therapist said if something happens to you and he has a companion, both of them can be taken in, and that transition's gonna be a lot easier on him. And you'll feel better about it. Because when something happens to you, he's gonna be by himself. And all he knows is you. And he feels abandonment like you have. I mean, I had somebody, I'm not going to get into the podcast, but I'm like, I need to know what the hell's going on here. I need to know why I'm feeling how I'm feeling. I need to get it back in the hospital, specialist oncology. Oh, there's a couple of nuclear tests they can do to get a better, uh, as they say, view. Because you're, everything's fused together, stuck together. You got a lot of scar tissue from radiation, which was like seven, eight rounds of radiation per treatment. That left a lot of scar tissue. You got scar tissue from prior surgery, and then you got this tumor that's just like in the middle of all these organs and everything's stuck together. So there was other two other nuclear tests. It's more of a battle, they said, of your insurance company. Now I have two insurance companies. They're hoping maybe, as they said, if the pressure pain gets worse, we'll have to go that route. Well, I, I'm there. You know, I don't like hospitals or doctors, but I'm like, Monday, I'm there. Last night, I was like, I gotta go to the ER. I gotta get the pain under control. And then I'm like, no, I'm not leaving these guys. You know, that, there's a lot more to it. I'm glad I have my hospital therapist. I'm glad I have those that be with the state disability to understand. They're not connected, they understand. They're a third party. You know, they're not emotionally invested. They're not family, they're not friends, they're not loved ones. They're third party, so they get it. And they're helping me. But also, they're guiding me and saying, you need to get this stuff lined up. I was hoping things would like, I'd get over that hurdle again and I'd be able to realize a companion for Snorio. And the thing is I could do it if I had somebody I was with, if I was in a relationship, if I had a goddamn legit marriage. I mean, it never happened. I don't foresee it happening. Um, so you talk to attorney and get things together too. You know, some loose ends, as you said, we need to still address. You know, and, and a lot of it has to do with your decisions, Kim. So let's get it together. Let's not wait, you know? And I agree, let's not wait. But I do know when I pass, I don't want to be surrounded by anybody or anybody's face that wasn't there for me, that gave me problems, that wasn't present during oncology treatments. And they give a damn. Not just oncology treatments, but while I was healing over the past six years. No, you're not going to be, no. And God, God would not want it. My loved ones in heaven wouldn't want it. You're not going to be around me. I want the hospice nurse, and I want my fur kids. That's one thing I told Eric. And I told Eric too, as much hell as he gave me, I don't want you around me either. There was a last time when I woke up 
And I was having problems breathing, the pain was really bad when Eric was actually living at the house and he came in and I remember him sitting next to me and the first thing he told me is, I know I'm the last person that you want to see. What he was telling himself is, I know I've treated you poorly. He admitted right there. But the thing is, you kept doing it, treating me poorly. How can you treat somebody that was sick like me the way you had through surgeries and oncology treatments? You're going to become an alcoholic. You know why? Because your subconscious is going to end up eating you alive. Because you got a lot of demons and skeletons and you treated me like I don't know what. And it's not an opinion, it's a fact. But I remember him saying that. But I was hoping I'd be able to get Snora a companion. If I lived with somebody, um, if I was able to realize a legitimate relationship. But I'm too far in the process with my health. Um, there's no turning back, as I was told last week. There's no turning back. We're not turning back. This stuff's getting bad. You're given five years prognosis. You, you do, once you get in the six-year mark, things get a lot worse, and they're going to get to the point where they're worse. They're going to be worse off than when you first start oncology treatments, and goddamn, I'm there. I'm going to get into these two stories, and it's real life and two different individuals and with blocking their privacy reasons and that and discuss with them and every, you know, okay, discussing what I'm going to discuss. Um, and you can take it for what it's worth, but I just hope it allows people to make um, positive changes and realize if you're treating people ill and not in a good way or you're seeing things and, and they're horrible things and maybe there's lessons learned and maybe it's why you're in situations you are um, I was talking to, uh, you know, the person that be with the roofing company that, uh, runs it. And, um, sometimes I think that people know who they can talk to and who they can talk about serious matters and be okay with it. And I'm glad that many people throughout my life, especially over the past few years, have felt comfortable enough to talk about real, real-time serious stuff and felt comfortable to release it. And I was able to give them a good listening ear, but also wisdom based off of what I experienced. Um, I've cussed and I've been mean and I've been damn nasty mean. That's not my um, personality, and that's not me, and that's not my character. That's hurt. And I want to first say that. Uh, for people who might think I'm brash, uh, my mom made a comment on the phone that she has friends of hers that sent her cards, and this is what my mother said, that they were glad their kids didn't have podcasts. Well, first of all, for my mom's friends who listen to this podcast, okay, you can have your opinion in business, but when it comes to people's children, especially when you have children of your own, that sometimes making lewd comments, you're not giving good advice, okay? You're condoning someone's son or daughter when you have children of your own. And I don't think you would want me or anybody else to contact you and give you back what you dish out, especially when you don't know the full story. If you're only listening to your friend on the phone, you're not listening to both sides. So therefore, you're making false judgment without really knowing the truth, okay? I'm going to say that first. We shouldn't do that. How many people are on the phone with their friends? And I've done this with my cousin even. And we don't see eye to eye all the time. But there are situations where she talks about her kids. And there's friends that talk about situations. And um, like I say, I'm not going to judge or anything. I'm going to give you sound advice. Not by what so-and-so did. But maybe things behind of reasons 
um, behavior and decisions that people make and not at who is doing it, but I've learned through therapy the action behind it and what causes it, not judging, but get down to the reason why. Um, my mom said that, a few friends in her cards, but she said this like years ago. So I don't know if it's true or not, if she's just saying that. She doesn't like the podcast. Um, no immediate family member likes the podcast. Um, extended family members and cousins that I have chimed in with and have contacted me recently because they knew my house taking a turn. Um, they do respect that I don't want a funeral or visitation or service. Um, and some have apologized for not being there for me as family. As they say, we're not immediate family, but as extended family and cousins. Um, I want to apologize for not being there, at least saying hi and seeing how you're doing. Um, I had a few apologize, and that's the truth, so help me God. I told not worry about it. Just thank you for just acknowledging it, you know? And uh, I'm not going to hate or dislike anyone that comes forward with extended family and is like, listen, you know, it wasn't right, and I'm sorry. And I didn't realize everything you're going through. I'm only hearing this one side from this family member. And I'm not hearing your side. But I get it now. And I understand. And I'm sorry. You know, but I, they respect my wishes. And they understand why. Um, and that's the truth. But uh, on my dad's side, my distant cousin. I was extended cousin, hell cousin. You know, I get tore. I don't like to say distant. But um, she was the one that was really into genetics and finding out about the suicide um, my great-grandmother, Sue Indian, and finding out about the genetics and the history and um, getting as many photos and pictures. And uh, she's like, I'm getting an album together for you. Um, for you. So you get to know and understand as well as her children and a few other extended family members. So we have photos of my great-grandmother and my grandmother, and um, you know, um, and my great-grandfather and photos and people I never got to know and I didn't know about. Um, but getting back to it, um, when I was talking, and thank God, you know, Buckeye State I'm from, the roofers came back out, and I was talking to, you know, one of the head honchos and owners and that. And they felt comfortable enough because they know, and I realized their podcast listeners after we talked, uh, the journey that I'm on. Um, the first thing they said is, as much as you've gone through, I guarantee you, you don't take, I mean, verbatim, tell you what he said, you don't take shit from anybody, and I don't goddamn blame you, um, because that's good you're that way, because you're standing your ground. And I said, that's funny, because lately, I really don't take any shit. Um, I've been cussing lately, I have not been the same person I've been, I've been extremely goddamn mean. Um, Pain-wise, I've been irritable, that's pain, pain makes you irritable. I'm dealing with a lot of pain, and it's a hell of a lot of pain, and it's 24 hours, and it's not eased up. It's gotten a hell of a lot worse. Um, if I went on hospice right now, I would probably last one week if I'm lucky. I know that, and I was told that. I'm not ready yet because there's things I need to attend to. That's why I haven't given up yet, and that's the truth. It's not a joke. It's the truth. See, my mom's friends who say that stuff and want to say negative things about me, why don't you give me a call or contact me, and we'll talk about everything. You can't pass judgment just on one side. And that goes for the whole family. And it's been wrong, but I can't change how things have happened. And I'm at this part of my life, and it really makes no difference, nor here or nor there anyway. Um, that's the truth. But um, he said, you know, I tell you something. I said, okay. He said, I think you'd understand where I'm coming from. I said, yeah. Well, first of all, he said, I celebrated my, I believe 
he said 28th wedding anniversary. And if you're listening, I'm sorry. I apologize. 28th, which I know you are. 28th wedding anniversary. And uh, he told me it's not been easy. And I said, well, congratulations. And he said, a couple of days, congratulations late. You know, happy anniversary. And marriages are tough. And he said, marriages are hard. It takes a lot of work. And we've gone through our really rough patches. But we made it. And I said, well, I congratulate you. You know, when I got married this last final time, it was forever. And he promised me we'd work through the, the problems with my health. And he told me, Eric told me, I'll never leave you and always be there. And I said, are you sure? Because I've been abandoned before. And he said, no, I promise. I'm not going to do that. And he said verbatim, I'm not going to be like your ex-husband. I'm going to be there for you through the whole way. I'm going to be there for you. I'm never going to leave you. You did. I worked with healing through that. I healed quicker than later um, with a therapist, and I got past it, and that's the truth. I don't feel no here nor there about it. I don't feel anything about it um, because I went through emotions. If I didn't have a therapist, I'd probably still be bitter upset. But um, I've dealt with abandonment issues for the past couple years with a hospital psychologist in New York, and their partner right now, which is their superior, which is a psychiatrist at the hospital who deals with cancer patients and those that end a life transition to chronic illness. Um, I don't feel no here or there anymore about it. Those are Eric's words. So I figure, you know, as I was told from the therapist, he's got to live with that the rest of his life. That's his burden, not yours. That's his weight to carry, not yours. You know, you fulfilled your duties as a wife. And I gave him a copy of our vows we wrote. I went by all my vows and he didn't. Not one. Didn't hold one vow. Um, that doesn't bother me more either. It's nor here nor there. I just don't have any emotion behind it. That's a good thing. I don't carry that burden. He'll have to the rest of his life. Not me, you know. But um, I was talking to the individual with Roofing Company and they said, you know, I got one of my best friends. Um, he was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer six months ago. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry to hear about that. And he said, yeah, he just passed away two weeks ago. I was like, I am sorry to hear about that. And he said, the worst part is, you know what the worst part is? And I said, no. And he said, no, I could, knew you could understand this. What I'm saying is that his wife left him. When he found out he was in stage four diagnosed with colon cancer, his wife left him. He said, and she ended up hooking up with his best friend. She abandoned and left him. He died two days ago. Or two weeks ago, sorry. Um, I said, that's terrible. And he said, it's horrible. He said, you know, uh, it really messed me up. And uh, I told him that's something. I, that's going to take a while for you to get past. And I can't imagine how he felt. I said, but yes, I can, because my spouse left me once the tough got going and things progressed. He split. He found a reason, however he could do it. He researched it. That's just the truth. How to not be a caregiver, how to leave the marriage. And he did just that per attorney. And he said, I know, because I know I could tell you this because I know you understand. And I said, that's not a spouse. That's not even a human being. I said, and I'm sorry that happened. I said, it's horrible. I said, and I can't imagine how you feel as a best friend. He's like, yeah, it was my best buddy. 
I said, it's just terrible. And I told him the truth. It's terrible. Society and the way that people are, nobody gives a goddamn about anybody anymore. Nobody has any compassion at all. And it's sad when you're married and it's forever. And, and he said, well, that's the thing is marriage isn't easy, but you still work on your problems and you get over it and you move past it. But when your spouse is sick and deal with something serious, you just don't up and leave, especially in another man's arms. You're there for life. You're there permanently. You work through it. He's like, you know, I celebrate and, you know, I think it was, what, 28 years, 23, 28, I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong, because I know they'll probably correct me. Um, actually, 28 years for him. His buddy and his wife were married 23 years, um, his best friend. And uh, once the going got tough, she got going. That's something that she's going to have that weight the rest of her life, Period. If you can't be with somebody till death do you part, then I'm going to say for everybody, don't get married. You know? There's something to be said when people are not there for people in transition is what it's called. When your condition progresses and you're in palliative care, um, nexus hospice, and things aren't getting any better, they progress, the pain will progress. Your complications is what you pass from. It's the complications, not the cancer itself or the tumor. If people can't be there for you and you can't, as a human being, have a little bit of decency, goddamn compassion and stick it out, you got that weight the rest of your life. And I do believe that, eat, that eats people alive. That'll screw you up for the rest of your life in your head. Maybe God intended, the universe intended, something intended because nobody goes unscathed the way you treat somebody when they're sick, especially in a life, especially the spouse. If I'm ways and means to leave and then you want up, yeah, there ain't nothing wrong. There ain't nothing right and everything wrong with that. But I appreciated um, him sharing the story. But we've talked before about things. And um, all I'm going to say is it's nice to be able to talk and to find people in the world that have the compassion, wisdom, and understanding and can lend it an ear and some sound wisdom you know, advice and be there for people when things like this happen or people that are sick and don't have, um, they don't have the strength or they didn't get therapy or they're in their end of life stages and they don't know what the hell to do or, you know, they're just, um, as my therapist says, there's a lot of people in the life stages in a place where you're at where they didn't have the therapy and they didn't have the strength and they don't know what to do. And they're more of in panic of not dying, but I don't have this, 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 and um, understanding what they're going through. I got the strength, but I am in acceptance because um, I knew once they couldn't remedy the situation and we maxed everything out that I was going to be in trouble. I was told I was going to be in trouble after five years realistically um it would have been better to pass peacefully and not get to this point of pain within those five years um not trying to be freaking anybody out who's going through a similar journey where you're dealing with tumor and failed oncology treatments deal with cancer i'm not trying to freak you out i'm just saying it takes a hell of a lot of strength to get to this point and still be living um and be okay with still living and boom, and knowing, realizing that if you would have passed within that five-year prognosis, you wouldn't have been going to the pain. I'm not going to say suffering, you went to the pain. But everybody, like I said before last podcast, 
has a reason to live and they live and they fight. Um, mine are my fur kids and some other people, it's their kids, it's their fur kids. There's reasons, you know, but when the pain and things get to the point like I'm in, you know, you start putting your hand out like time out, tap out, tap out. Um, and I do as everybody else in my situation when you get into transition, they call it therapist oncology transition. As you look at your specialists that are leading it, now what's next? I'm scared to come to this point next week to be told where am I at and what's next. I can't keep jumping in a car with the bumps and heading out of state back and forth to hospitals. I can't do it anymore. Um, it's too much for me. Um, and I'm at that point. I know my body better than anybody else, and they agree, and I can't keep doing that, but we need to get this pain under control. I just don't know what's next and how the hell they're going to do it. Um, because I'm a case where, as they said, most people don't make it to this point. Now we have to figure out unique cases like yourself. Now what do we grab? What do we do? Um, the only reason I'm staring around and doing things I need to do is because it hurts like hell to lay down. I dealt with this before oncology treatments. I remember telling my oncologist, um, my gynecological oncologist, the first one, because there's different types of oncology specialists that you see, and I remember telling her, if I could just sleep sitting up, I'd be okay. And she says, well, because this thing's so big. No matter how you lay what position, those nerves and everything, you're just pushing this thing against other organs. And it's going to hurt like hell. Um, it's like my specialist said last week, you know, you're petite. We can see this out. You can literally see the outline and feel this thing. You know? You can feel it on the outside of your lower, lower pelvis abdominal area. And you can. And that's scary. Because they said this before oncology treatments six years ago. And I was dealing with the same kind of pain. Just not this intense. Because let's face it, I wasn't on this kind of under pain management either. Now imagine the kind of pain. If we took me off everything, there's no way. There's no way I'd survive. Hell no. And I would want to. Um, I was talking to somebody else um, that i become friends with and talking about trauma. And they're in a different part of healing process and relationships and trauma. And they went through a lot of trauma growing up. And they're in a different part than I am in life. Um... And they're getting back into dating and things like that. But they were telling me that they don't, you know, they're very leery. They don't trust people. And um, this is, this is, this. Um, but what I picked up on real quick, and we had talked about earlier, because Tom is a lot of pain. I don't feel good today, you know. Like, hey, you know, we'll text back and forth and yada, you know, yada, yada, yada. Excuse me, because I know that it helps me, you know, get my mind off the pain, which is true. Like, I'm going to do some bracelets and that when I'm done with the podcast, um, vacuum what I can and I'm going to lay down best I can with some heating pads and heat wraps and do some bracelets and, um, TV doesn't really get my mind off of it. I got to do something else hands on to help get my mind off the pain. Always been like that. But, um, she was telling me about dating and stuff like that. And, um, I'm going to say this because I said it to her and I'll say this to anybody else who's gone through, um, really horrible, 
marriage or relationship or you went through trauma in life or you have childhood trauma or whatever the picture scenario may be, I'm going to say this because it's the truth is you've got to heal first before you walk into another relationship. You have to make peace with your past and heal first. That means getting therapy and working on yourself before you can dive in and want a serious relationship. Okay, there's a difference, as I told her, between want and need. I need a relationship. I would like and want a relationship. I need this kind of relationship. But I would want, would like and want. Okay, you can need, but you don't need anything. If you love yourself first, you gain self-respect. If you lost that self-respect, and I lost mine, and I gained it back, but you're not gonna gain it back without therapy and getting help. And getting out of the same cycle of bad patterns and relationship patterns. And I admit I've been there, done that. Um, but I held a lot of therapy and it just snapped me out of it. It snapped me back in self-respect too. Um, like I say, cursing and being mean, that's a form of hurt. So if anybody cussing and stuff, I, I everybody cusses. So you're not a saint. So don't condone me for cussing because you all cuss my mom even cusses shucks like she never you cuss my sibling cusses she cussed last conversation on the phone i don't know what she said but she's cussed that she hung up and i was like wow she does cuss <laughs> that's the point i just out of the whole conversation that's the only point i remember she cusses wow she cusses good for her it's a release it's a feeling it's an expression of emotion that's healthy you know but everybody cusses and everybody gets mean. You know, you go through the phases of working through your emotions. Sad, crying, depressed, you know. And then you go through mad. And then healing with the mad. And then peace. I'm at the end part of some not so great tidings of joy. And bad aspects of a marriage. And... The same cycle and circle of bad behavior I tolerated and I put up with because I didn't have to. I was dumb and I put up with it. Um, being mean is part of a cycle and it's a feeling, it's an expression. It's your emotion. It's perfectly healthy. Don't worry about people judging you because you cuss or you're mean. That's fine, you know? You'd rather be mean than be a pushover, okay? Trust me, you would. But um, she was just talking about relationships that aren't working. And I said, because you're forcing yourself you feel like you have to have a relationship you feel like you have to have someone there's a want and a need you feel like you need this but really you would like to have you would want to have and the thing is is she was like i never looked at it that way and i'm like yeah but have you ever gone through therapy and she said no i've always been a little leery of opening up to a therapist and i'm like a therapist is your part of healing you're never going to be successful. And she's not been successful last two relationships and she admitted it. I said, because you're forcing something that you think that you need. But really what you need is you have to heal and make peace and go through the tough parts of relationships and decision making and things like that first before you can jump and walk into another relationship, whatever that may be. Um, because I've been there. Man, it's never going to work. You can't keep jumping, jumping, jumping. And I did that. Probably my whole life. I've always been in a relationship. I've never not known a relationship, except for now. And it was hard the first month. And what's crazy, most people say the first year. After the first month, 
And I chalk that up to, I was in serious therapy then, two or three sessions a week. So I was able to get past that feeling of being alone and being scared within the first month. And I realized this isn't so bad. I don't have to deal with this, 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 or this. Now, I'm responsible for myself if something's not attended to, not taken care of, if this is going on in the house, this is this, you know, or this happened. I, it's me. It's just me. So there's nobody else responsible but me. And I can keep it tidy. I can keep it neat. I don't have to clean up after anybody else. I don't have to, you know, harp, hound, this and this and this. And I realized after the first month, I felt free. I felt at peace. And maybe that's why I was like, I don't know where my relationship began after that. Because um, I realized with therapy, my relationships were never good. They weren't successful. Um, and there was even friendships where I tolerated a lot of less. And I put in a lot. And it wasn't a, a two-way street, as my therapist said. So now I choose wisely. I choose differently. And my new friendships are successful. And they're fulfilling. And they fill different parts of my life. And they bring me happiness. They bring me peace. They bring me calm. Every friendship brings something to the table different. That's the way as a therapist said should be. But you've never had a normal relationship. You never had a normal marriage. But you never had a normal friendship either. So that's why. Things are different now. And I don't want any of that how it used to be. I'll never go back to that. Now I put my bar extremely high. I demand the best from people. And they should demand the best from me. It's equal. You know, that's your success. That's when you know you've changed. You've evolved and grown. You're healing. But as I told my friend, you cannot, and I'll tell anybody, you cannot get in any relationship until you make peace with your past and you start healing. And if you've gone through trauma, you've got to address that. And there's no way with a book and online you're going to do it. You need to seek therapy. There's hotlines, like I said, where you can call. Um, there's some hotlines now. There's actually many hotlines where you can call daily. You can call two or three, four times a day. And they'll tell you. You can always call back. Um, they're out there because COVID made it to where we realized that mental health should be just as easy to talk about as anything else with your health internally. It's not taboo anymore. It's perfectly okay to not be okay. Um, but, you know, my friend was like, I never looked at it that way, you know. I do need to, next week, find a therapist. I have insurance, and I need to quit being so prideful and go in and start working on myself. I said, when you start working on yourself and you start feeling at peace and you find closure and you can address your past, because everybody has to address your past or your past is going to be your present, that's the truth, then you'll be ready for a relationship. Then you'll find that relationship will find you as well that you deserve and you're worthy of. And you won't settle and shortchange yourself. Because she was doing that a lot, she admitted it. And she also listens to podcasts, but she said it, you know, you know, thanks for telling me that, you know, and I felt a little bit angry, but you were hit me on the nail because that's what I've been doing. And I said, it's okay, because I've been doing that my whole damn life. And it took me just the past couple of years to realize that how I was doing things wasn't working. The old me wasn't working for me now and the present. Um, it's just too bad. A lot of things I didn't realize sooner than later. Um, but I could never predict my health was going to progress now where it's as quickly as it is. Um, and I understand, like, I'm calm and peaceful today. I mean, I'm in a lot of pain, but I realize when I'm around or talking to people that have caused me a lot of hurt, 
and they've yet to apologize, and they've yet to address their own past demons and ill behavior, that it brings out the mean in me. And it brings out a lot of cussing in me. And I realize with therapy, that's just your hurt. That means you're healing, and you're at the last part of your healing. Next is peace and closure. You'll close, you'll put that in the file folder, as everybody has up in their brain, and then you'll realize peace. I'm not cussing. I'm not riled up. Because I realize I'm only like that when I'm around the people that have really hurt me deeply, and they've yet to come to terms and apologize. But I realize I can't force people to apologize or to own up to behavior or apologize to you for hurting you. Um, but you got to walk and you got to move past that and you got to separate yourself from people. Um, you have to. You just have to. It's not cruel behavior. It's healthy behavior. And I'm in a position now with my health that I just, um, I don't want it. It's a want and need. I don't need it, but the thing is I don't want it. And I know what I have to do in order to move on and not have that. Um, and then that peace. As my therapist said, we have to, my psychologist said before referring me over to her superiors, we have to work on peace and calm. It's not a want. It's a necessity. Especially where you're at now. You're in transitions. And transition means and needing you must have calm and peace. Period. <laughs>